0: You are listening to The Anna Sabo Show, a podcast for Christian women where we have conversations about God, Gospel, and the matters of life. If you enjoy this episode, please write and post your podcast review today, and remember to share it on social media. Oh, by the way! The calm music I add to the end of each episode is for your thinking pleasure. Now, enjoy the show. I know, I know, you're like, wait a minute, Anna, it's Sunday, not Saturday, and you promised that we will have a podcast every Saturday at 7 a.m., I know, please forgive me, but I will tell you the truth, as always, no cover-ups, no pretense. The reason why you did not get my podcast yesterday at 7am is because I did not want to make it for you. And that's the honest truth. Ouch. I did not want to make it for you because today's topic is so painful, I was trying to force myself, talk myself into it, remind myself that God called me to do this podcast and I promise to you that I will be doing this love series because it's been such a breakthrough for me to learn about love and I really truly genuinely want want that to share all lessons learned with you for your benefit but... Now we're getting to the point of love there and I had to log in to love their website and it is so painful and here is what's painful about it. You ready? So, of course, as you hear me doing this podcast, you know I have logged in to love their test website and it's just love And here's what it says here. One year and 266 days married. Ouch. So when I had in 2016 to create my account here to take the love test that I'm about to share with you, they ask you for your uh, wedding date and all of that. And so now there is no way to change it. And so they tell me here that I, um, I had one year, 266 days of marriage. And of course, you know, we're divorced now. And they say 99 days until anniversary. Ouch, ouch. That's pretty much the reason why I couldn't make myself do this podcast. But here we are doing it today. And okay, let's get to it. So I took Love Their Test because if you've been listening to the series called What is Love, you know that I realized at some point in my marriage that. Michael's actions and him not loving me were not important for my relationship with God or my eternity. How I responded to his actions toward me was very important to my relationship with God and my eternity. And so, as I examined how I was loving Michael in our marriage, I realized that I didn't do a very good job. And so, I came here to LoveTheirTest.com And I decided to take this test. It was in 2016. And so my result was 308 out of 1000. So they evaluate several love skills. Attention, acceptance, affirmation, affection allowing, apology, and abiding. And on the bottom of all of this, they say, share your score on social media. No, thank you. I prefer to keep it a secret to myself. (laughs) Not anymore. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I'll share all my failures with you, (laughs) and all my weaknesses, because they will say here, attention, 43 out of 143, clear weakness, attention is the first actually love skill we're starting with. Hold on, let me um, take a sip of tea, one moment. Mm. This morning I'm drinking hot tea with oranges and lemon, ginger, mint and raspberry and I added some honey to it and it is absolutely delicious, absolutely delicious. Mm. Ah, Life is good as long as we don't have to talk about my love test scores. <laughs> ah, okay, we can do it, we can do it. Today is kind of like going into like a Surgery for me, hard surgery. But I promise to you that I will share all of this with you, and here you go. So, we started talking about the skill of love called attention, and I scored 43 out of 143. And it says um, so here's how they define attention attention means that we are noticed, that our words, feelings, and experiences are heard. It is the opposite of being ignored or feeling invisible in our own homes. Attention communicates respect and interest. It requires looking and listening. And before you tune me out, before you get all angry as you're listening to this and you're like, well, listen, he is not listening to me, he is not looking at me, he is ignoring me. I get it. I get it. And you know I've been there through all of this. but. Michael's ignoring of me is not relevant to what I'm taking with me into my future, which is me and my love skills. Michael's ignoring of me was not relevant to my eternity, but my ability and skills and intention and practicing loving Him mattered to my eternity and my relationship with God. So, if you're listening to this now and you're about to throw up, thinking, hell no, he doesn't love me. He's ignoring me. He doesn't talk to me for months. And of course, as I'm doing this podcast, I understand that many of you listen to my narcissistic abuse podcast and we're connected in multiple groups. I know what you're going through. I, I've heard your story you know, you, your husband and you haven't had sex for 20 years, you've been living in separate bedrooms for three decades, he hasn't talked to you at all or mentioned you by name for five years. I've heard it all, I've seen it all, I understand, but we are not talking today about what he does to you, but only about your ability to love, my ability to love. That is what we, you and I... Taken to our future. Okay? So let me continue, and hopefully, you will be able to listen to this without defensiveness or anger or kind of taking this and translating how you are not loved. We in this series, what is love? Talking about our own ability to love. And that is separate from us being loved by others. Okay? All right. So Here's how they continue defining attention. When you give your spouse attention, you are saying that they matter. As one newlywed said to a counselor, I've realized that when they say marriage takes work, the real work of marriage is a constant battle against selfishness. Fighting to be unselfish will make us more attentive. Wow, powerful, right? Here they um, give us some scriptures and I'm reading from love their from love their test results, right? So the scriptures that are relevant to the skill of love, called attention, are Philippians two four, be concerned not only about yourself but also for the interests of others. James one 9, 20, challenge yourself to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Proverbs twenty four three four, recognize that a house is established by understanding. And Ephesians 5.33, a man's duty to love his wife as himself and his wife to respect him. The next skill we're going to talk about is acceptance, and I scored 0 out of 143, and it says clear weakness. (laughs) Thank you. I figured. (laughs) Uh, So how they define acceptance is acceptance goes a step deeper than attention, Acceptance says that I not only see you, hear you, and acknowledge you, but I accept who you are. Acceptance does not mean I approve, endorse, and agree with everything my spouse is doing, but that I largely give them the gift of accepting the person they are without judging them or trying to change them, even with their various differences or quirks. Note, again, that acceptance does not mean all behaviors should be tolerated, and again, I'm reading from the website, but it does communicate this comforting thought to your spouse, the current version of me, be it charming or challenging, is welcome and safe in your presence. That's a peaceful luxury for a person to have. Um... I will tell you honestly, in 2016, as Michael abandoned our marriage right after the wedding, I had a very hard time accepting everything. Cheating financially, cheating relationally, cheating sexually, a rejection of me in all aspects of life. I could not accept it. But later on, as I took this test results, I became intentional and I began to learn how to put myself in Michael's shoes, and how to understand Michael, which is why I'm doing this series, because through those experiences, I've learned to love Michael as is, the way he is, and I've been sharing this with you very openly, and me loving Michael, and I love him now, like today I love him, I don't stop praying about him, I pray about him every single day, and... That is my action of love. And the reason why I've learned to love Michael as is, is because of this skill, acceptance. When you, even if you don't approve of everything the person does, which of course I never did, you see them as a human being with a soul, with their past, with their experiences, with their own understanding of life and like i was able to as i started practicing this to put myself in michael's shoes and see why he is the way he is why he does what he does and experience true genuine compassion for him and that prompted acceptance um in me for him so and of course as i'm sharing this with you Please understand that I never had a chance to master this skill because Michael filed for divorce twice in our first year of marriage. But um, as I started learning it in 2016, I had some time to practice it on Michael, which is what I will be sharing with you later. And I kind of shared with you a little bit already in this series, but it's been only healing for me, it's been only helpful for me, it drew me closer to God to learn how to love and to practice unconditional love, and especially to practice the skill of acceptance in a situation when my husband at the time did so many things I could not even wrap my head around. So, By the way, if you're in a difficult marriage or you're separated or going through divorce and you're like, well, this is not relevant to me, I don't give a crap about him. I guarantee to you, from this side of my marriage, which is divorce, right, you are the one who will benefit significantly for the rest of your life if you take the love there test and if you do love there itself, the journey. I did it twice on Michael and some of the things there you may not be able to do if you're separated. And some of the things there your spouse will not appreciate at all and you're not doing this for appreciation by anybody but to for you to personally grow in your ability to give love. So now it tells me my score in acceptance indicates a clear weakness in this area and a need for focused improvement. And I do agree that if you want to improve your love skills, it will have to be... A focused, intentional, consistent effort, because there will not be any recognition for you. And I did it on a person who rejected me daily and didn't want to be with me and betrayed me every single day. So But remembering why, like that's why in my poem that I shared last week, I say, and remembering how you got on a journey of loving in the first place, it's not for approval of Michael, right? For me, for me, I got on a journey of loving him because I married him to give him love. And at some point I forgot it. I got so focused on how I was not loved. And in reality, I was married to him because I agreed to willingly and intentionally, consistently love him with my actions for the rest of my life. Um, okay, so the scriptures that they give us here for um, the skill of acceptance is Colossians 3 12, 13. Be accepting and forgiving, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Mm, that's a big one, right? We talked about forgiveness so many times. If we want to be forgiven by God, He says go forgive others with who offended you, right? And we want to make excuses for why we don't want to forgive others, but we sure do want to be forgiven by God, so there you have it. The next scripture they give is Proverbs 17.9, uh, becomes someone who conceals an offense in an interest of love. Um, the, the third one is 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Make it your goal to encourage one another and build each other up, and the fourth scripture here is 1 John 4.18, Realize that perfect love drives out fear, making home a healthier place. The next love skill we're going to talk about is affirmation. I scored 79 out of 143, and it says likely weakness. So how they define affirmation is... Actually, they define appreciation and affirmation separately. So appreciation goes a step farther than acceptance, suggesting that I not only accept who you are, but I actually delight in who you are. That's a big one I want to say here. Like, I just want to take a pause and say, that's a big one. When I read it, I was like, how can I possibly delight in this man who is, you know, exposing me to mental cruelty every day and is abusing me? And again, what helped me here is to remember where I am, who I am, whose I am, and how I got to where I was, which is I married him to love him unconditionally for eternity. And God does not tell us to respect our husband and to love our husband, giving us a list of ifs. God doesn't say, respect your husband and love your husband if he is perfect, he is respectful, if he is worthy of your respect. God doesn't say any of it. He does not give us any conditions. He just orders us to love this person we married As is, the way they are. Okay, so let's continue. They say, uh, as they define appreciation, they say, and I don't keep that gratitude to myself, but rather find ways to express it. And so they continue saying research therapist Dr. John Gottman notes that in couples who stay together, the ratio of appreciation to complain is 5 to 1. Um, And, by the way, I have to say here, as I've been learning to improve this likely weakness of mine since 2016, if you go and watch my Facebook Live videos, you will often see me say, and thanks goes to Michael, who taught me how to operate drill. And thanks goes to Michael, who taught me how to paint a wall. And thanks goes to Michael, who taught me how to install LED lights. Like all these things that I've done now in my home, I have a beautiful, breathtaking home. I love my home. And everything here, from installing curtain rods that are 160 inch wide and attached to a ceiling, to installing shelves and installing LED lights and painting walls I've done by myself, on my own, because Michael taught me how to in, when we were remodeling our marital residence. So learning how to say thanks to Michael, thanks to Michael, became a habit of mine, not saying it for the sake of Michael hearing it. I say it for the sake of saying it to acknowledge it because it's been a skill I've been intentionally developing as I've been learning to love him. And you're probably listening to it, and it's like, okay, this is crazy, because y'all are divorced, you live on your own, yes, but I promise to love Michael for the rest of my life, and it is my intention to continue loving Him with my one action, and that is an action of prayer, and learning how to heal while praying for Him, learning how to accept what happened and move on while continuing to love Him with all my heart, which is why I pray for Him every day. Okay, so they then move to talking about affirmation. Let me just uh, take a sip of tea. Hold on. Okay, so they say here, affirmation goes even a step farther than appreciation focusing specifically on the attributes and character qualities of your spouse, not just on their actions or deeds. For example, I can express appreciation for a gift someone gives me, but I can also tell them what a thoughtful, generous person they are. As I read this, guys, I have to tell you that I started writing Michael letters, what I love about who he is and not what he does, and I'm very aware and I was very aware of, like, character qualities I really, really loved about Michael. He is a person of commitment, Now, you're like, what are you talking about? He filed twice for divorce in the first year of marriage? Yes, but it's only because he was never committed to our marriage or me. He was committed to Iron Man and his bicycle. And he stayed true to his commitment to his bicycle and Iron Man. But seeing him wake up every day and spending like tens of hours every week, hundreds of hours every month training for his Iron Man that was just like, I was like, wow, what could our marriage have been if he dedicated this much time to our marriage, right? And the ministry we do him together. So like his commitment and his work ethic, um, like all this character qualities, I became um, intentional of acknowledging and noticing and even writing down for myself, because it's easy for us to start constantly being upset with what the person does, but instead we can focus also on their positive character qualities and who they are, and that will help us in our pursuit of loving them. The uh, Bible verses that are given to us here are Ephesians 4.29, use words that encourage not deflate that give grace to those who hear. Philippians 4:8 intentionally dwell on things that are noble and affirming in your spouse. This one is a difficult one, I have to say. Like it's I'm not doing this podcast to tell you this is exactly what you need to do. It's easy. I've done it. I did it. It was very difficult. I don't feel like I succeeded in any of it, but I will say that I experienced satisfaction from knowing that I've tried my best and that I I learned that I was not very good at loving and that I've learned how to love from the love their book, from this test, from the kindness challenge and a variety of other Christian books and practiced it intentionally on Michael, who was my husband at the time. Um, Romans 12.10 is the next verse that they give us, see to it that you outdo one another in shorn honor. And 2 Thessalonians 1.4 boast about your wife or husband in the presence of others. So, the next skill is affection, and I scored 100 out of 143. And here's how they define it. They say affection flows from an authentic appreciation for and liking of another person. Affection is the overflow which expresses itself physically, verbally, and in kind deeds and thoughtful gestures. And then they say that... um, there are four types of affection we can express with our words and bodies and our actions. Casual affection, examples include sitting close, holding hands, patting a knee, rubbing the back, brief hug, quick kiss, <laughs> saying I love you, and intentional act of kindness or generosity. Then there is playful affection, wings, teasing, tickling, playing playful and gentle wrestling and flirting. And then there is passionate affection. And that is um, sensuous words, touching and kissing and sexual intimacy and compassionate affection, which is sitting close, listening, being held, comforting words. So they say your score in affection that is 100 out of 143, is an encouraging indicator that this area is likely a strength for you in your relationship with your spouse. Okay, I have to pause here and tell you that as I was in premarital counseling with Michael and we talked about sex... Um, He indicated clear interest in sex, he stated there in writing and in our conversations with premarital counselors that it was his expectation that I will uh, also make sexual moves, moves toward him once we get married, not just him making moves toward me, that I will basically sexually pursue him. And once we got married and I did that, he turned me down every time. He yelled at me that he doesn't want, he literally yelled, I don't want none of it, don't you understand, I have to save myself for my bicycle, and that impacted me so much. So even though I I scored highly in affection, my giving of affection to Michael was not welcome. In fact, he used it to manipulate me mentally even more. So I would say be also cautious as to whom you're in relationship with and just how they react, um, because sometimes this good and positive things we want to do to love this other person, they can definitely use against us. That's just a side note. So here in affection, they uh, give us also four scriptures. First, Thessalonians 3:12, increase and overflow with love, always growing in your affection. I tried to do this intentionally, and it was painful because he did not want. Mm, he didn't want that. Proverbs 5.18.21 Commit to take pleasure in your spouse, not seeking it from others. This is a very important one because... Commit to taking pleasure in your spouse. For me, it was an intentional pursuit and also thoughtful pursuit of dwelling on Michael's positive qualities. Um, He was very insecure about his body, always was asking me if he gained weight. I was always telling him he was sexy. I was very genuinely telling him that I was very attracted to him. And I was like, I was very much captivated by my spouse, which is a phrase I learned from Christian books where they talk like how a woman needs to put a lot of effort into becoming captivated by her spouse so she has sexual attraction to her husband. And I was very attracted to Michael. And when we had our divorce jury trial and um, when I took a witness stand and they were questioning me on every aspect of marriage, I shared with them that he rejected me sexually and told me that his bicycle as his other wife. uh, He called it my other wife I cheated on you with, and he told me he doesn't want to have sex with me. But I told them in front of all my jurors that I found Michael sexy and attractive. And to get to that place, I had to become very intentional in my thought life. And as a Christian wife, understand that if I want to love him, I would have to generate that attractness to him, right? Right. So that comes from Proverbs five eighteen twenty one. Okay, next verse they give us is Hebrews thirteen four. Keep the marriage bed pure from threats to your trust and intimacy. And 2 Corinthians seven three. Consider your affection toward your spouse a marital responsibility. Next love skill uh, we're going to talk about is Allowing, and I scored 0 out of 143, and they tell me it's clear weakness. And here's how they define Allowing. This is the opposite of being or feeling controlled, restricted, or manipulated. Allowing means inviting and enabling your spouse to be themselves, which is similar to acceptance, yet is deeper and higher because it opens wide the door of exploration and growth. It validates abilities, talents, and interests. It encourages development. To excel in allowing means you're a cheerleader instead of a gatekeeper for your spouse. And the Bible verses they give us here are Romans 12:15. "Rejoice with those who rejoice being happy for what excites your spouse." By the way, I have to say something here about Romans 12:15. Michael um, made me like T-shirts with his name on it. the Zabo team, and I, um, I cheer for Zabo So that I could go instead of our honeymoon, we went to try Moon. Right after we got married, we went to do his triathlons, and I was there with him. So he made me t-shirts, and later on, with all the cheating and all the abuse, I started hating them, so I threw them away. But the other thing he asked me to buy was, like, this cowbell that I was ringing to cheer for him on our tri-moon, on his Ironman um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, on May 22nd, 2016, and... There was also a keychain with this pink Iron Man logo. And later on, when I moved out and I moved on with my life, I realized that I have it. Like, still, I have it right now. And it used to bother me so much. But now, it doesn't bother me anymore. Because as I took this test, I started learning to rejoice Um about just the things that excited him also. Even though he did not choose me, even though he chose to betray and reject and cheat on me and abandon me, as my responsibility, love that I always wanted to genuinely give him required that I rejoice with him in the things that he takes pleasure in. So now I keep this Iron Man keychain to remind me that I've learned That I've learned to do that, and I have to be intentional about remembering to never again fall into that pit where I believe that for me to rejoice with another person, they have to do what I love to do, you know? Okay, so Genesis 2.18, view your role as being a helper or complement to your husband. Colossians 6:2, look for ways you can carry one another's burdens, lightening their load. And 2 Peter 1-3-4, God has allowed us to achieve by giving us everything required for life. And I would say, uh, guys, to practice allowing as a love skill, what's required is patience, intentionality, and compassion. Because to learn how to allow Michael to be Michael and for me to take care of him when he was sick and to love on him and to cook for him, to clean after him and all of that while he was really, really sick, for me, it took understanding of his heart, compassion, ability to put myself in his shoes, and unconditional love, which takes patience. So I highly recommend working on those skills as well. And the next skill um, we're going to talk about is apology. I scored 57 out of 143, and it's says likely weakness. And here's how they define apology. Unfortunately, even with the best of intentions, we often target um, forget and neglect to offer attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing to our spouse, but sadly we sometimes withhold or withdraw one or more of this intentionally. It's all these times that we need to recognize we haven't loved our spouse well and that they deserve our confession and apology. And when I read it, I wept because I felt so sad for sending those middle finger pictures and mean text messages to Michael that you already know, but since I mentioned them so many times... Because I, even though I did not do it, mm, I did not do it like intentionally to hurt him, I could have stopped myself if I allowed myself to breathe and count to 10. And all these years now, I'm regretting doing it, which it would be such a much better thing not to send those to him, right? So later on, I got on a journey of lear- improving this love skill and learning biblical forgiveness and not learning biblical forgiveness as to how to forgive only, but learning how to ask for forgiveness properly. So biblical forgiveness has three components to it, and that is our confession, asking for forgiveness genuinely, and our repentance. And confession doesn't just happen between us and God. Confession of our sin happens between us and that other person whom we hurt. So, I will at some point share with you 10 letters. They're called 10 Intimacy Letters. Intimacy comes from the book called um, Discovering Intimacy Relating to God and Others as a Single Adult. And it was a book where I learned about our human 10 intimacy needs by David Ferguson. And as I wanted to ask Michael for forgiveness and confess my sin in our marriage, I put it all in writing. Now, I have to give you a side note here. I never received Michael's forgiveness, and I don't even think he read my letters or cared. At some point he told me, hey, I saw you were sending me these letters. It was very dismissive. But we do not confess our sins and ask for forgiveness with the intention to actually receive it. We do it because it's the right thing to do. So make sure you remember it, because otherwise you can get very angry and resentful once you realize the other person doesn't give a crap (laughs) and they just don't care and they will never give you forgiveness. And so the third step, of course, is to repent. And that is to practice biblical love and practice the skills you know you need to practice and not continue making the same mistake again and again. So they say here, Apologies must be sincere and depending on the offense, they may need to include a request for forgiveness and a pledge for repentance, which is kinda what I walked you through now. So the Bible verses they give us here are John, uh, 1 John one eight. We are deceiving ourselves if we don't think we have anything to apologize for. And that was my situation with Michael. When he asked me to reconcile and took me out to lunch, he told me he never wants to hear about it ever again, there is nothing for him to apologize for, and we just need to move on, and I just need to forget everything. And he asked me not to ever talk to anyone about his divorce filings, and of course that didn't work very well for me, because I saw that he was not genuine, and he was deceiving himself and me so romans twelve eighteen says if possible on your part live at peace with everyone especially your mate matthew 18 22 when your spouse apologizes to you be quick to forgive and sometimes we can't be quick to forgive sometimes we need to take some time But also we should not be withholding forgiveness from others. But I did a lot of podcasts on the topic of forgiveness and I did a meditation and I plan to do more. So we're not going to talk about how to forgive others, but we need to learn how to ask for forgiveness genuinely. And of course, to at all times be aware that if we think there is nothing for us to ask for forgiveness, we're deceiving ourselves. So the final verse they give us here is James 5:16 confess your sins and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And one final skill which is the most important skill, the most important skill and that is abiding in God in Christ in the truth we know. Let me drink some tea one moment. <clears throat> So, the way they uh, describe abiding, they say abiding speaks of a close and connected personal relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. That is so true, guys. That is so true. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to pray for you from the bottom of my heart. Because once I learned... That the reason why I was cussing at Michael was because I was not abiding in God. The reason why I was cussing at Michael and sending him text messages that were mean that I really did not want to send was because this marriage and Michael's actions became my master instead of Jesus being my master. I forgot who I really was defining myself as Michael's wife and drawing my identity from his actions. So. We need to always, always stay close to God, always, at all times. Otherwise, we're going to just drift away and flesh will take over and sin will take over. So, the scriptures they give us here um, are 1 John 4-7. Realize that love is from God, the true source of your love for your spouse. Psalm 37-4 Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now, let me pause here for just a sec. I was not delighting in the Lord once abuse started in my marriage. I was blaming God, I was angry at Him, and I was bitter and resentful. And I thought that the desire of my heart was to glorify God with my marriage, and I couldn't have it because I was not by myself in this marriage, and this other person didn't want to to have anything to do with this marriage. And once I started my biblical counseling in September of 2016, every single week at 5 p.m. on FaceTime, Tammy and I met via FaceTime the topic we studied was how to glorify God and I realized that the actual true genuine desire of my heart was not how to glorify God with my marriage my desire my heart's desire was how to glorify God I just want to glorify God and it doesn't matter what happens with my marriage because it doesn't just depend on me there is sin in this world we live in a fallen world and Michael has free will and he decided to use his free will to destroy our marriage. And I thought what that meant is that I can never again glorify God. And that is not true at all. So, again, let me read to you Psalm 37 4, that is for love skill called abiding. And it says, Take delight in the Lord, not in Michael, not in your spouse. And He will give you your heart's desires. And If you feel defensive as I'm reading it and angry, and you're like, no, He's not giving me my heart's desires, examine your actual heart's desires. Examine what you think your desires are. Because maybe they're not at all what you think they are. For me, as you can see, it wasn't. I wanted to glorify God, but I thought I wanted to glorify God with my marriage. Ephesians 3, 16, 19, see the difference when you are filled with all the fullness of God. And when we're filled with the fullness of God, and I wrote this poem called God's Presence Everywhere, I'm going to share it with you before we go. God's Presence Everywhere is something I started seeing just here and there and noticing it intentionally, and what started happening... Is the fruit of the spirit started showing up in my behavior? And that was impossible when I was focused on Michael and his actions. Be very careful. Very, very careful, okay? As you examining the desires of your heart and your relationship with God and your ability to abide, and from that, your ability to love. So let me find this poem: God presence everywhere. So I'm gonna read you this poem now and after that I'm gonna pray and I'm so excited that we're coming to the end of this podcast and that I was finally able to share it with you because I really, this has been very hard for me, very hard, very painful, very, very authentic topic and I'm sharing with you from the heart and as I couldn't make myself do it, I'm sorry, yesterday, so I'm sorry that you didn't get my podcast yesterday and I will... Definitely try to do better as we continue with the series, but you can understand, I'm sure, that from here where I am now, it's not an easy series to do. It's not like I have a prospering marriage and a loving husband, and I've succeeded at glorifying God with my marriage. You know that we had a divorce jury trial, Michael filed twice for divorce, I felt depressed, suicidal, and I went through a lot. And so That's why like sharing this with you is so difficult, but these are good lessons learned. And I hope that as you're listening to this, you're taking it to heart. I hope that you can apply when I, when I see you guys listening to my podcast and you write me letters, how you are now crying because you apply this to your marriage and you see like yourself in this. That's what I want for you, because really the mistakes I made, you don't need to make them, you don't have to make them, you can just learn from my mistakes and go and live your better life not making these mistakes. So, to focus your mind on God's presence so you can delight in the Lord, and so you can bear the fruit of the Spirit, here's a poem I wrote, it's called God's Presence Everywhere, and I wrote this poem Four days before our last court hearing um, with me and Michael, because remember, he asked me to pay $50,000 to cover his attorney fees. God, I see your presence everywhere. To hear your voice for me is not at all rare. Once I've finally quit being worldly and blind, now in everything, your glory I can find. Anywhere I look, there you are. In my suffering You count my every scar. My pain You turn from dust into beauty as I follow Your calling and fulfill my duty. God, I don't need any special presence. All I want is to continue being like this in Your presence. I love leaning on You and having You near. To my heart, Your presence is very dear. So I shared all my um, love test results with you and all my failures and my conclusions and lessons learned. I hope that in addition to last week's podcast where we learned about unconditional love and what it is and how to love unconditionally, I hope that this has been very really revealing <laughs> um revealing for you. Revealing. That's what I was trying to say. Revealing, meaning that. My mistakes and my false beliefs about love were revealed to you so you don't have to keep them in your head and you can go and change the way you love the person that matters most to you so you can succeed at loving with your actions. And next week we will talk about my love there journey, how I practiced love on my husband. I will give you specific examples of what I did in uh, um, with my love there as I did it twice on Michael and what it did for me. And now, let me pray for you. Father God, thank You so much for this amazing topic of love. Thank You for love as a subject in this world. We all want it so much. We want to be loved, but also realizing how important for us to love others, because that's what you called us to do. God, I want to lift up the woman listening right now, and I want to ask you to just take this emotional topic and all these discoveries that I shared vulnerably that are so, so hard for me to share. I ask you, Father God, to please just instill in her heart all the lessons you taught me through my mistakes so that she doesn't have to make the, the same mistakes. She can take this content and apply it in her life to learn how to love her spouse with love that is unconditional, biblical, agape love. And I also pray that You give her peace and understanding and acceptance. If she's listening to this, I know that she's not been loved perfectly by anyone. God, we call you Appa and Daddy, and you're loving and kind to us, and I ask you that you allow the woman listening right now to abide in your love and affection and draw her ability to love from that and give kindness, compassion, acceptance, and appreciation and affection genuinely to the person that she truly wants to love the most. But most importantly, Father God, I pray that You help her examine her heart and discover the true desires of her heart and not the fake ones. And the true desire of her heart probably has to do with glorifying You. And glorifying You for each of us has only to do with our own actions. Father God, I pray for the woman listening that You fill her heart right now with loving kindness, with patience, with compassion, and true understanding and desire to love unconditionally just as You love her. In most precious, marvelous name of Jesus Christ I pray, Amen.